Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, everybody. How are you? John, are you well? I'm fantastic. How are you going? I would expect nothing less from you, John. Today, we've got Rebecca Pritchard. She's talking about being intentionally rich and her guide for millennials. So, let's get into it. So, Rebecca's dialed in from sunny Melbourne. How are you today, Rebecca? I'm excellent. Thank you, Glenn. And hi, John. It is, yeah, it's lovely in Melbourne today. Glad to have you, Rebecca. Now, um, Rebecca, actually, she's a financial advisor and she's a money coach, uh, gladiator. Um, yeah, just what's with the gladiator thing? I saw it on your email signature. We found that gladiator was a much more all-encompassing description than financial advisor or coach. Sure. Because our role is to help people just get whatever to. And so, gladiator hit the mark a lot more. Yes. Oh, that's that's cool. And um, so, you're with Wealth Enhancers. You're a, a gladiator. You help millennials get on track with their money. Um, you're also the this year's Association of Financial Advisors Rising Star of the Year. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and congratulations. Thank you. Yes, it was an extraordinary process to go through and a very big honour to take out the award. It was something that I was actually sitting at the AFA conference last year watching a, a bunch of other award winners and hearing about their phenomenal careers and I thought, oh my goodness, I want to be like that. And so I sort of put it out into the universe and worked through the the award nomination process and gave yeah. it my best shot. And, and it all came up good. Perfect, perfect. Now, before we get into it, I just wanted to um, remind everyone that this podcast, it's not a podcast for the strangers that are walking by the street. It's for the, it's for the My Millennial Money community. And um, you can be part of the community by, by going to our Instagram page at My Millennial Money or joining our Facebook group. So, we really like to take your feedback and we answer your questions. And uh, it's good to have you if you're new today or if it's your first time. And a shout out to Glee Coffee Roasters who are, who have partnered with us at this time to provide us with some support. But also for anyone out there who likes coffee, if you go to gleecoffee.com.au, they've got a variety of different beans that you can buy and have delivered right into your house or your office or whatever. But they also have a coffee subscription so you can get some coffee um, delivered to your place every week. And if you use the promotional code M3, that's uh, the, le- the letter M and the number three, you'll get 50% off any, 15% off. Almost, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I almost yeah. made him go I'm out in. of business. Yeah. yeah. You'll get 15% off uh, your coffee order. Beautiful. So, there we go. You're listening to My Millennial Money. Glenn helped me dig myself out of financial debt. 
Now my only debt is towards this podcast, where I'm forced to provide you with all these voiceovers without financial compensation. Forever. Now, if I can be a little bit personal, Rebecca, how do you handle your money on a week-on-week basis? We at Wealth Enhancers, we're very big believers in practicing what you preach. So I take the same approach that I advise all of my members to do, which is a very well automated cash flow structure, uh, automated investments. Sure. And at the end of the day, all I have to worry about is my personal spending, which is $313 a week. Wow. And that's that's what I have available to to live with each week makes it nice and easy for me. Sure. So you've obviously um, you've set that up so that so it's a three hundred and thirteen dollars exactly for a twenty nine year old girl in Melbourne to to live off. That's that's your that's your money. Absolutely. Um, so working through the budget and that's the number that came out. I don't believe in rounding up. And oh. I certainly wasn't going to round it down to 310 so sure. that extra $3 counts. And um, so that's what I get. And my, my husband, he's, he's in 253 is his magic number. Mine's a bit more because I, I do the grocery shopping. Sure, sure. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what happens in our household. So do you think it works better than, like, so when I coach clients, I often – get people to use the one joint bank account with the, each partner having a card. Do you think it works better for to have a different account for each uh, spouse? Yes, I do actually. And I don't believe in shoulds. I don't think there should be a right way of doing it. I, I know that a one account structure works well for some couples, two account works brilliantly for others. And some people love three accounts where it's you know, a combination of your money, my money, our money. For for myself and my partner, having our own individual spending money just worked, just sat really well with us because before we gotten together, we had our individual money and so we like to be able to have a little bit of separation even though technically it all comes from the same place It's and it's largely arbitrary but it just makes us feel a little bit better about it. Um, and it makes things fun on date nights and, presents or you know if I want to spend my money on getting something done to my face or charity or whatever it might be that I can do that without having to necessarily get approval from somebody else sure sure so Rebecca from the 313 just for the listeners can you um, give us a rundown of of what that includes is it is it your your blow money, your your personal money to spend going out and buying clothes, or does it encompass some of the things that you would uh, you would have to buy anyway, like groceries? Yeah, definitely. So it is the the main elements of it are groceries. So that's the big chunk of it. So you've got groceries, uh, petrol, public transport slash Uber, and basic medical. So just like pharmacy, gap payments, the doctor dining out, gifts, and, I mean, a lot of those things, they don't happen linearly. Yes. You know, they tend to come in chunks here and there. So I find that most weeks I have somewhere between 120 to $160 of real pure discretionary money. Sure, sure. That um, I don't – I very rarely buy myself clothes. I tend to eat or drink all of my money, if I'm really honest. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, like, and do you find, because I, I tell clients, like, whatever way works, do that. But if one person is really tight, for example, and, you know, if that money builds up to $5,000, can they go and buy a new push bike or something like that? Or I often say, like, look, you're both adults. We have the discussion. That's still our money. What's your view on that with your members? Well, when you have those individual personal spending accounts, I do support that person going to get a push bike right. um, or whatever it might be. You know, sometimes I do save up my personal spending if I've got something really particular that I would like to purchase or any of your listeners who like um, to get their hair done know that, you know, it can be a few hundred bucks sure. um, in, a, in a chunk. So, yeah, I, I think bef- back when I actually joined the Wealth Enhancers community before um, before I was working there, my husband and I joined and I, I used to be I used to get really frustrated with him because I thought he was really irresponsible with the money. And, you know, he'd go out once a month or every so often with his mates and blow blow um, a chunk on a big night out, whereas I was a bit more quiet and would spend, you know, lunches and brunches each week. And then we realised that over time I was probably spending more. Um, <laughs> he and pro- he probably having saw structure extreme, just you? allowed us to find <laughs> peace with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's very interesting, actually. Um, because I'm just of the view that, I don't know, I guess it's a trust thing, isn't it? And, um, you know, if your partner's up to something dodgy, you're going to find out at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is we use uh, soft tracking software for our things anyway. So if we either of us really wanted to go snooping, we absolutely could. But yeah. it's more of a conceptual thing that sure. we feel like we have our own space. Sure. Sure. And are you renting in Melbourne or you do you own where you live? What's your living arrangements? Yes, so we own where we live at the moment, uh, but we have the plan to become rent investors in probably the next 12 to 24 months. Ah, interesting. So we're, we're having a sticky beak in the rental market and looking to move somewhere a little bit closer to the city and, sure. and rent there whilst maintaining this property. Sure. So on that, there was actually a question and we might jump into it from Sophie, who's a listener of the show. Shout out, Sophie, what is up? Um, and let's just have a listen to Sophie's question. Hey guys, so I'm a first home buyer and I wanted to get your opinion on whether I should um, buy to live in or buy an investment property and rent where I want to live because I'm a little bit of a snob so I want to live in quite a nice area which I know will cost me a fortune to buy in um so I don't know if I'm better off planning to buy in a cheaper area and then renting in an area I want or saving my ass off and buying in the area I really want to buy yeah so my my thinking in that situation would be definitely rent where you want to live sure um if she's got expensive tastes and wants to rent in Richmond, then absolutely um, go and do that. And but ensure that you've you're going and creating wealth somewhere along the line. So just simply renting and and not doing anything with your money um, is is definitely not the solution. But rent vesting, um, definitely renting and then going and investing somewhere around the country that's going to work from a um, strategy point of view for that person absolutely yeah because it's funny because when I, I was going to wait till the end to play that question but she's basically wanting to know what she should do and i think rebecca and her partner are basically doing that aren't you yeah definitely and 
I think there is a there's a natural trap to get stuck in the shoulds here around like we should do one or the other, and I think both avenues could work really well. Mm. If if she Sophie sounds like she really loves living in Richmond, and I think that in itself answers half of the question. Yeah, and a lot of and I, yeah, I was just going to say I actually just clarified a few things with her before she sent the thing. I don't know if she does live in Richmond, but she likes that area, so we'll assume mm. that she's there. Absolutely, and Richmond is a fabulous area, or whatever the area is. If there's something that, from a lifestyle perspective, you're getting that benefit, I think that that's fantastic, and we can take our lead from that. So I agree with what uh, John's shared around rent vesting. It's such a popular concept. I've probably come at it a little bit slower, and in the beauty of hindsight, I might have done things a little bit differently because I have rent. So I purchased where I could afford to buy, not necessarily where I wanted to live. Right. And and I'm now six six or so years down that track going, yeah, I think I'm ready to live in a slightly younger yeah. area. And do you Shout th- out to all the people in Reservoir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that, you know, that decision, it was pressure from the social norms that you need to buy a house and live in it? Absolutely. And... For me, I always wanted to buy a house. Like I wanted to buy a house from when I was about 10, I sure. started saving. So it was always something I was going to do. But over time, I've sort of explored my goals and my values a little bit more. And I've realized that it's actually not as important to me as I thought it was. Yeah. And, and that's also coming from a privileged position in that I've enjoyed this experience for um, six or seven years now. So I, I'm have the freedom to do other things but no I, I never considered any other serious pathway apart from buying a house and I wish I could go back and just kind of whack myself over the head a little bit mm. it's funny you say that because like I a lot of people ask me oh should I rent should I buy should I whatever I said look I think anyone's first goal is can you be disciplined to save thirty thousand mm. dollars or can you be disciplined mm. to get an emergency fund get your money in order, get it automated and start to kick some goals because realistically at the time to rent or buy or whatnot, that decision may almost take care of itself. Mm. It's, you know, can you establish a good savings track record? Yeah, and I think uh, in addition to the to the question, if she was in a position where she could buy her dream home in Richmond um, and her forever home or what she sees as her forever home now, then absolutely um, I'd be seriously looking at that because of um, a fl- the slight flattening or uh, or readjustment of that market to potentially get in there yep. and get themselves a, a little bit of a discount. But if it's only just getting in there for the sake of living in Richmond and buying a one better then, then yeah, I think rent, vest, rent vesting is uh, is much more yeah. positive. Still. And I would assume she's in her early twenties because I think, if I can remember, she's just finished uni or she's doing mm. an internship that's paid. So, but it's so amazing to have a young person who is thinking about this stuff, isn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah, it's great. And whether we're running this podcast or not, we're we're seeing more and more people actually stepping up and and thinking about these things at an early age because a lot of early 20s Mm. weren't in my day. No, no, not at all. So if you're listening right now and you might be laying in bed or sitting on the train or the bus or whatever, I want you to pick up your phone, open Instagram and go to RF Pritch, which is Rebecca's Instagram, hit follow because 
Rebecca, you've got a, an ebook that's launching soon. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I want to ask you some questions about some of the cool topics that you've um, that you've done, and yeah, give us some insight into that process and and the why behind it. Absolutely. So, yes, please definitely do follow on Instagram or Twitter and send me a message if you have any questions. So, the ebook intentionally rich is something that I've been working on through the course of this year around exploring a lot of the behavioural and mindset conversations that I have with my members at Wealth Enhancers and also just my own experiences as I've been going through my money journey and those that of my friends and people in their 20s and 30s. And so I've wanted to create a essentially a guidebook for millennials around how to have interesting conversations about money Mm. and how to have it in a way that sort of weaves in and out of our lives. Not so much, you know, a formal let's talk about money conversation, but can we have financial things just weave in and out in the same way we talk about food or fitness or careers or sex or whatever it might be? How do we have it in a really easy and approachable way? Yeah. And uh, I must say, I've I've read the ebook. I got a, um, a pre-launch copy, John. Did you? And wow. it... It's bloody good. I was sitting yes. there on the lounge this morning having a read. But um, there were some funny things that um, I'm reading this bloody book, John, and I'm thinking, she's writing about me. Uh, <laughs> so, so tell me the um, what you call the Dorito effect because I want to chat about that. What's the Dorito effect? So this is a topic that I've been talking about for a number of years and I, I need to write this down because somebody's going to take my concept yeah. and I'm going to read about it on like you know, the New York Times one day. So the Dorito effect or Tim Tam effect or lint balls or what, pick pick whatever vice is yours. Salt it's vinegar really chips, dairy milk, <laughs> and ice cream. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it's Doritos and the bag of Doritos can sit there unopened in my pantry for a year. But as soon as you open them and you start eating and you just keep going, at some point, I forgot to ask at the start, Glenn, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, do what you want. Yeah, so at some point you're eating those Doritos and you go, fuck it, I can't stop. I'm just going to finish the bag and then they're gone. Yes. Um, And that's essentially your exit strategy is just to completely binge and that's how you stop yourself is by actually consuming all the food. And I see this so often financially with people binging and they, they, they write off the night or the weekend or the month or the year or whatever it is and just go, you know what, I've already done all this damage. I might as well do a little bit more. I'm going to go spend another couple of thousand dollars on my holiday because I'm already over budget. What yeah. the hell, I'll sort it out later. Yeah, it's, it's a great concept. I, I think furthermore to that, Rebecca, and I do the same with dairy milk chocolate, is if it's in my cupboard, opened or unopened i'm getting into it so Mm. i think uh, people maybe do the same with money in the bank don't they yeah we do and it's really easy and i find translating a lot of these concepts into either food or fitness sort of lenses it helps us to really recognize our own behavior because we do it in other areas of our lives and we start realizing oh shit i do have those moments where i just go ah stuff it Mm. um i'm just going to cut loose here and Financially, it's incredibly damaging. You know, it's that's where hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars can get leaked out of your out of your bank account or from a goal that you might be working oh, towards. Absolutely, and it's, it's I, scary. Yeah, and I think so. Like for example, 
I no longer buy ice cream. So, it just it's not mm. in my freezer because mm. if it is, yeah. it's ridiculous. I no longer buy salt and vinegar chips um, because it's no point because I end up just binging. Yeah. Um, but similarly, I'm the same person that I can't use a credit card for day-to-day expenses because yeah. if the money's there, I'll stuff it, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, doesn't have to be there to use it. So, I think when we go back and look at our spending plan and have that allocation of the $313 a week or the mm. whatever it is, um, at least if you do some damage, it's capped. Yeah. And Absolutely. I know if I run out of my 313 I've just got to wait till Thursday and I get another lot. Yeah. And so there's only so much damage that I can do. And for exactly the same reason, I don't have a credit card because I, I can't be trusted with it. And it's the financial equivalent of putting the Doritos in the bin or not buying them in the first place where you just go, I recognize my own, my own behavior and how can I take steps to make it easier for me so I don't mm. shoot myself in the foot? Yeah, I think it is being that self-aware because, I mean, I know that I tell people like, I'm happy if I have a big week or buy the, you know, the sweater from country road or whatever that wasn't in my weekly allocation and it wasn't out Mm. of any other savings i'm like well it was 90 dollars. i'm happy to have cereal tonight for dinner yeah because the (laughs) money gets replaced the next day because there's no rules with personal finance you just got to have something and a system that works accountability and yeah Yeah. so and this time of year is really dangerous with christmas and just summer in general because people take it as a given that they're it's shit and that they'll run out of money and everybody else uses credit cards. And so if we're giving ourselves that permission to do it, then that that's when we just go so far down this garden path and we're just giving ourselves so many excuses. Whereas instead of taking responsibility of saying like, I'm going to put the Tim Tams back in the freezer mm-hmm. or I'm not going to buy them in the first place, whatever it might be, to take ownership of that and not just write off the month of December. Absolutely. And um, it's like, you know, if you do have a Dorito effect, if you can do one thing, even just think about what your Dorito bag is in your life. It could be alcohol. You might have a problem like where you might, you know, might not be able to stop drinking until you've plastered. I mean... (laughs) You know, just be aware of that. Mm. <laughs> I mean, if it means that you limit yourself to, I have one drink a night, I don't know, whatever it is. It's a balance. Isn't it's it? a balance. Yeah. Yeah. And sharing with other people can make it a lot easier with, like, no matter what it is, what area of your life you're trying to do. Like, I was out for dinner last night and I actually said to my girlfriends, I'd only like to have one glass of wine instead of getting a bottle. And just because, like, for me, I just, I knew I had about fifty dollars for dinner last night, yeah. and so if, if we got a bottle, that that would have probably taken up like sixty dollars per person, and I didn't want to do it, and so I just put it out there into the world so that then I could sort of self-correct. And you don't have a headache today either. I was really grateful for that yeah. this morning. <laughs> and I mean, this is why I do the podcast because I've got like, hi, I'm Glenn James and I'm a spenderholic and there's a few thousand people that keep me accountable. <laughs> the community is straightening his life up, yeah. Rebecca. That's what's happening. Totally. Um, one, one observation I would make of that 313 is I'm taking you haven't got kids because in our lives, uh, my wife and I, that that 313 would be all blown on, on our kids eating habits no so i don't i don't have children and 
it is something that I'll need to work out a plan with in the future to either adjust that or mm. to make some compromises because I also know that for me, 313 gives me enough surplus to work towards my other goals. So if at some point in the future I want to spend more, then I'm going to have to take it from somewhere else. Do you eat breakfast and lunch out every day? No, I'm I'm a big foodie. Yeah. And so I am arrogant and think that my cooking is better than most places to eat. So I take a lot of pride in preparing my own breakfast and lunches and dinners. So it means when I do eat out, um, I'm, I feel really good about it because it's not a hugely yeah. frequent occurrence. Cause, yeah, because my blow money... Because I'm just comparing myself. Um, <laughs> I think you're the only bloke on this planet that eats breakfast and lunch out every day. Yeah. So, I, I basically, um, I think I run off 400. Oh, I transfer $600 a week, but basically 180 of that is saved. Right. No, 140. I'm thinking for Anyway. But no, that makes sense. Well, you've got to know your numbers. Yeah, I know. I so just... you've got a savings amount that's put into a separate account, Rebecca? Yes. So I have, um, through my cash flow strategy, I have money that goes aside for spending on things for the house, for adventures, um, saving for to buy a, a new car, um, looking to buy another house in the future. So I've got little buckets everywhere for all my different goals. Great. And, and given that you are 29, um, so you're a, a young married couple, um, What do you have any kind of long-term, like are you putting money to super or just worrying about long-term stuff in your own name at the moment, like property? It's it's a really interesting question because working through our goals, we realised that superannuation, whilst a really important investment vehicle, didn't line up with a lot of our goals, which is, you know, to have fun in the next 30 years and not wait till we're 65. Yeah. So we we don't actively put extra money into super with our incomes. We're comfortable that we're putting enough in with the government sort of mandatory amount. Sure. And so we invest quite heavily outside of super through property, shares and bonds. Um, again, automated because I don't want to have to worry about that every month. And um, yeah, just to give us a bit more flexibility in the next sort of five to 20 years opposed to 35 mm. plus. Yeah, if I can have a side rant, you've just reminded me of something. Like the fact that you're automatically investing every month or every pay cycle there's so much to be said for that. Like I had a client email me um, and he was having a whinge about the investment return over the last 12 months in his investment account. Mind you, the Australian share market's pretty much at a two-year low right now mm. and he was having a whinge. And I threw it back to him and said, mate, you told me two years ago that you'd be putting money in every month and you haven't done that yet. Uh. And I think a lot of people are chasing the returns, but the best return you'll ever make is to be putting money in mm. consistently every month, every week, every pay cycle. So it's- Absolutely. I, I talk about investing as a defensive strategy where people think they do get caught up in the return. And it's really, for me, investing is stopping myself from spending it. And yeah. then any investment return is a bonus. Yeah, and that's kind of, there was a podcast episode where um, we had a financial advisor on a good friend of mine, Vince Scully, and he's so perplexed that I would cap out my super every year of 25 grand. But if it doesn't go in there and locked away, uh, Glennie's going to spend yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. It just needs to be automated and um, 
We've just talked about automatic investing. Um, you talk about autopilot spending. What's some examples of autopilot spending in our life and how it's maybe of a, a detriment to us? We do love, as millennials, the social spend. Yes. And there's a lot of money, and you've just used yourself with that breakfast and lunch each day. And <laughs> a lot of it, we've we've never stopped to question how valuable it is for us. And, you know, this could extend into health-related uh, expenses as well around, you know, vitamins, gym membership, Pilates membership, personal trainers, and, and just going through the motion on things without stopping and thinking, what's this giving me? Sure. And... Social spending is a really easy one because there, there's an element of peer pressure here as well. And this is why I want to create a space with this ebook around having good conversations because I can guarantee if you're feeling a little bit funny about money, someone else in your group of friends is too. Yeah. And the, the prime example is when you want to catch up with your friends and you go, oh, let's go out for lunch on the weekend. And that might be like 30 or 40 bucks. Um, and if you're, if you're trying to save because you're you know, wanting to buy that, your first house, you know, that sort of stuff can add up. And if you can put your hand up and go, well, what I'm really trying to achieve is catch up with my friends. Can we all go for a coffee instead of a lunch or a brunch instead of a lunch or a lunch instead of a dinner, whatever it might be. And there's probably somebody else in your group of friends who's like, oh, good, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to do that or too. Or even grab a picnic blanket, get some chicken from Woolworths or whatever, go and have a picnic. Yeah, come over to my house. I'll cook because I've got about, you know, six months worth of food in my pantry that we could feed an army yeah. and um, just just sort of stopping pausing and rethinking these things being a bit more creative being resourceful um feeling comfortable to say no but or yes and 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 sort of reframing those sort of social interactions so that we're not damaging ourselves financially yeah so how is your um husband game rebecca is he still inclined to go out and get sloshed and uh, and spend all his budget on that or is he well, sharp we were up? a lot younger when we first started doing this john and there's okay. less getting sloshed now than there was back then um we don't we don't bounce his back quite as well as we used to um but no he tends to spend still quite lumpy whereas i tend to run out of personal spending almost every week if i've got twenty dollars left in my bank account at the end of the week i think i'm you know shitting a bit yeah. and um king of the world so no we do have different spending sort of habits and i think that's fine um, yeah. and it's important to note as well that john's um given his choice of words sloshed is at the very top <laughs> end of the millennial cohort so just flagging that uh, what word does they use these on. days i don't know wasted trashed i don't know there's probably a word that i don't know that like someone's using um so yeah that's really important and i mean and even in your ebook, you talked about, you know, you had a dinner party and you had to buy all these new plates and stuff that no one even um, really noticed. Um, I think it's just... I'm a shocker for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got some people coming up for dinner next week and I was on that Temple and Webster, that website online, got good good stuff. I, I got some more Festoon lights, they were $90 and I got another hammock chair. And so I'm like, oh, did I need to spend that $200? So I wish I would have read your book a day before. Oh, the drama. But um, another thing I want you to just chat about in our remaining minutes is a lot of people have got the grand plans of doing stuff 
and they're, they're struck by analysis paralysis. Um, what's your experience there with coaching people out of that, Rebecca? The One of the biggest advantages millennials have is that we have a lot of time and we have a lot of opportunities available to us. And that can be really overwhelming. And so we end up often doing nothing and we, we get stuck in this state of inertia. And so... I like to work with my members to give them either a framework to assess different decisions or the confidence to understand that there's multiple good outcomes. Yeah. And making peace with that and saying, yes, you could take your career down this road or this road or that road, and you would most likely be fabulous at all of those things. Mm. Mm. I mean, I do talk, <laughs> because I like to talk about food, I do talk about desserts in this context you know when you're sitting there at the restaurant and you're completely overwhelmed because you want the chocolate pudding and you want the strawberry crepes and you want a creme brulee and then there's a lemon meringue pie as well and the reality is we very rarely sit there eating one dessert thinking gee i wish i got something else we're just sitting there going my goodness this is delicious just as a a healthy little travel tip for those (laughs) who uh, i flew back from the states last week and um you know, if they're bringing out the food, I they said, what dessert do you want? I'm like, both. <laughs> and, they got- and, and I think this, this is actually the crux of it, Glenn. Like, is that really such a bad thing? Yes, financially and probably in terms of um, your diet, it's not great to have two desserts. But we can find a way financially to do multiple things. And worst case scenario, say you ordered one dessert and it sucked. And, you know, you got complete food envy at somebody else's. Nothing is going to stop you from ordering again. Like there's very few things in life. You know, look at tattoo removal now. Like there's so many things now that we can actually physically undo. Mm. We can make, we can change. And so this sense of paralysis, this overwhelm, this inertia is so damaging. And I don't want people to rush into making decisions, but I, I want them to find some sense of peace about moving forward mindfully and with intention Mm. i think that takes the pressure off a lot of people and it's explained that way doesn't it because it people seem to think there's only one structured way and they need to follow that way um to to the detriment of them actually doing anything so yeah Mm. it's great that you've put it across in a way that if i've got three or four options i can take all of them and and it'll probably be okay yeah i i think as well like if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, oh, Rebecca, she sounds like a cool chick, um, go to um, RF Pritch. That's it, isn't it? RF Pritch um, yeah. on Instagram or Twitter. Have a chat to her. See if she can help you in your life and be, become one of her members and get some accountability because we're a big believer in financial advice. And sometimes you just need somebody. Like before this episode... I was standing out the front and I asked John a question uh, about my own personal finances. And sometimes we just need somebody to tell us that it's okay. Yeah. I mean, really what I wanted, what I was telling John, I was almost trying to do anyway in my mind, but it was almost, I need that verbal external party to go, yeah, that's good. It's reinforcement sometimes, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, get it off our shoulder. The only thing I would say, Rebecca, when I searched your Instagram is that, I've found you being a Richmond supporter, so that's the only chink in the armour as far as I can see. We can't be friends anymore, John. I think I think we're done. Yeah. <laughs> are they the other <laughs> what do you go for, John? They're the wrong coloured stripe, the red and black and need to be the Oh, was it 
my husband's an Essendon supporter, so uh, Essendon is still very high in my heart. Yeah. So he's he's gets sloshed and he's an Essendon supporter. I think we're I think we're I think we're good. <laughs> oh, how funny! Well, we might end it there, but um, as I said, it, we'll share some stuff, and there'll be a link in the um, in the show notes so you can check out Rebecca, and she'll um, she'll let us all know on her social media, and I'll update the the link when her um, her book's live. Do you have your own website, Rebecca? Yeah, absolutely. So if you head over to rebeccapritchard.com.au, you can send me a message as well or stalk or read any um, any articles that I've written or contributed to other platforms. So I try and keep that nice and up to date. Perfect. Remember, we hang out on Insta at My Millennial Money. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks anywhere, anytime, right into your ears. Any advice in this podcast is of a general nature only and has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. Please seek personal advice prior to acting on this information. Before making a decision to acquire a financial product, you should obtain and read the product disclosure statement relating to that product. Opinions constitute our judgment at the time of issue and are subject to change. Neither the licensee, any of the National Australia Group of Companies, nor their employees or directors give any warranty of accuracy nor accept any responsibility for errors or omissions in this podcast. Glenn James, Urban Getter, Approaching Limited, trading to sort your money out, are authorised representatives of Apogee Financial Planning Limited, AFSL 230689. Well, uh, oh, we've just got one last listener question. Ethan says, should I get into the Melbourne housing market with a minimal deposit and work the banks or play the patience game and risk missing out on gain? Geez, the way the market's going, do whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's me being lazy. (laughs) Rebecca, you ever got this one? This is a very interesting question because it implies that we have the capacity to do what we want and with the way the banking system is operating at the moment, you know, if you can purchase with a minimal deposit, I would say almost good good luck to you if you can. Um, I I think it is it's a tightening market from from a lending perspective. Um, for some people getting in now, potentially paying lenders mortgage insurance, that might be a cost of doing business because it allows an opportunity to get gains in the future. But I, I certainly believe there is no need to rush right now. We've got time. We've got probably a year or so of, of I would expect, pretty flat conditions. And if, as long as you're investing in some capacity, you may not get this particular opportunity, but you'll get something else. Yeah, yeah, well answered. Um, I would, I would just add to that and say, well, if if it's going to be their forever, forever home in the Melbourne housing market, then absolutely jump in if you can, because again, you're likely to get some sort of discount given that it is a flat market. Um, but if it's purely for investing reasons, then there's probably better markets around the country. You guys are probably more wise than me, but um, would you agree that? The best time to buy is when you've got the money. Like Yeah, that's always been my philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the best time to sell is when you need the money. Like it's we we get this paralysis analysis by what if, what if, what if. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I think the second part of that of you, the best time to sell is when you want to sell or should be selling for your circumstances in your life. If you're forced to sell, that's when you can. Yeah, we run don't want to be reactionary. Yeah, but, but that comes back to strategy and. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and and ultimately, it's buying it at the good at the best time probably eliminates that anyway. Yeah. Mm. And I do believe that there's always going to be a good reason to do things or not to do that. And there's never, you know, I talk about it that, you know, there's never this one magical time when we should invest in anything. You know, no one taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, Glenn, you should go buy some shares today. You're just going to kill it. It doesn't really happen. So there's always going to be this unknown and we do need to find some sense of peace with that and find a way to proceed anyway. Yeah. Likewise, not taking decisions like that doesn't mean that you're never going to win again. Mm. Um, you know, if you if you decide to sit this one out, there will be other opportunities. Absolutely. And if you are listening and you may be well on the way to a deposit or and you want to actually, you know, John, John will have a chat with you if you know if you are thinking about buying because he's a property coach and he can actually coach you through that if property is your bag. But um, I'd say to anyone, like, you can't really, there's no point filling your mind with any decisions unless you've got that deposit or that 30 grand saved. No. Because you'll find something, right? You'll, you'll start researching and, of course, you're going to find something that you want to get. And you might and do something just, dumb. Yeah, then you're just throwing yourself under the bus for, for no for no good reason. Mm. But it's interesting because John's mentioned a couple of times about, like, dream home and I'm actually quite against those those kind of words because I don't know that they millennials are really prepared to commit to a lifetime in one location. Mm. And so I I wonder if the idea of a forever house is as relevant or mm. relevant at all. I, I guess I would say to that, because millennials is such a, a big cohort, like I've got friends who are thirty three who've just had, you know, kids and they've just bought their home quote unquote and i guess the forever would you say john and we're speaking for you not giving you a chance to (laughs) (laughs) to retort but uh, are we saying like forever home at least 10 years raise a family get the kids into high school like is that what you mean yeah that's right and i suppose if you ask anyone that question they can't answer it then the answer is it's not going to be your dream location or your dream home like i've got a client who's 25 who's Dream location is Brighton in Melbourne where he was brought up and he wants to buy his home there, yeah. right? Now, he's probably 12 months away from doing that, yeah. um, but he knows that's where he want, wants to be uh, regardless of how many kids he has or, or um, mm. uh, what, what life brings him. That's where he wants to spend his, his next 30 years. Sure. Um, so that, that's what he's gunning towards, whereas two years ago he could have bought a two-bedroom unit in Brighton, but that's not going to be his forever home because he will have kids. Yeah, yeah. And it just goes back to personal finance. It's all personal and mm. your situation, there is no other situation unique anyway. Mm. So, Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.